Hey there, everybody. So this is Ollie, and I just wanted to give you a quick message before the show starts. I sound really bad in this episode. And part of that is because we were gone for a year, and I forgot how to do anything. Uh, but mostly I, I had the, the soundboard screwed up on my microphone and didn't realize it. And I'm real sorry, but that will not happen again. And live, learn, all that, you know, stuff. <laughs> Either way, uh, I hope you enjoy the show, even though I sound like Dookie. Brightside, Jess sounds lovely. Bye, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to Judging Nerd Culture. I'm Jess. And I'm Ollie. And we're going to be talking about A Quiet Place 2 today. But first, maybe we should do a little update on our lives and... Where Judging Nerd Culture stands. Yeah, it's been, uh, I think, a fucking year. <laughs> it's been a, a very long time. We just ghosted. Yeah, I mean, shit happens. But we are very happy to be back. And uh, to those 50 of you come back, you. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Um, we have some cool stuff coming. Um, some really fun ideas that include alcohol and fan fiction and possibly ASMR. <laughs> okay, so uh, I think it'd be fun to do some ASMR. Ollie wouldn't be able to hear anything. <laughs> no, no, I have notoriously awful hearing. I'm uh, like an old man. Um, but I'm not against it. If, if anyone wants it, just let us know. Uh, one way or another, I think Jess wants it, so I guess we'll do at least something with it. Well, uh, before we get too far off subject, I will say... Um, ASMR is a fascinatingly weird genre of podcast and video, media, whatever. Um, but it is fun to do. Mm-hmm. Not uh, particularly my cup of tea. I don't um, seek that out to listen to. But whispering into a microphone is kind of fun. Yeah, and I've been assured by the internet multiple times that it is not always porn. <laughs> Oh, God, you remember when I... (laughs) (laughs) You have to finish the sentence. Yes, I remember. Well, now I have to give context. Yes, please. So, ASMR, when it got really, really big, I... Gosh, it was like 10 o'clock at night. I was so tired, but I was like, oh, this weird thought came into my brain. Um... Do they have ASMR porn? Because, I mean, they have porn for everything. And for some reason, it didn't occur to me that, of course, of course they would have this. Because auditory things are very arousing to certain people. But for some reason, at that time, at that night, on that night, I I just wanted to know. I wanted to seek it out, I guess. And I did, and I regretted every single second of it because it was <laughs> the wettest, grossest thing I have ever heard. And don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I know there's people out there who really like it, and I can see the appeal. But just having someone do licking noises in my ear and slurping is... Like, I'm at an Italian restaurant, and everybody is slurping their pasta, and I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would, I would like to take a brief moment to remind everybody from my perspective what <laughs> happened that night. I was in the middle of the night. I'm getting ready for bed. I wake up at four in the morning most days to do whatever the hell I do with my life. You were sitting on the couch in the living room. No, I'm yes, pretty we li- sure we were going to bed. No, we, we lived at the apartment at the time. And I was in the bedroom, laying across the bed, well, getting ready for bed, but really I was looking at my phone, and you were in the living room. I don't know what you were doing, but you were not, you were not getting ready for bed. You weren't in the bathroom taking your hour poop. You weren't, (laughs) you weren't in the bed. (laughs) You weren't, I, and I came out to you and I said, oh my God, Ollie, you have to come listen to this. This is the real thing. All I remember, all I remember, and I'm not saying you're wrong, and I'm not saying I'm wrong. <laughs> all I remember was minding my own damn business, and then you <laughs> coming <laughs> over to me, 
and putting into my putting in my face uh, a phone with Pornhub on the screen, and somehow it got worse. <laughs> anyway, we got way off subject. Um, so. Yeah, so we used to live at the apartment. We no longer do. Um, so apart from COVID, there was also a lot of things that happened in our lives that made us take a hiatus from the podcast. Yeah, uh, there were some new jobs to be had. We had moved on to a different locale. Uh, and we actually have moved since then as well again. Yes, <laughs> we have moved twice since the last time you uh, hung out with us. And we've both gotten new jobs um, which was really stressful, um, but here we are. And we've gotten married. Yeah, we are now a, a, a couple of wed. A wed we're couple. wedded. <laughs> we are betrothed. <laughs> betrothed. Betrothed. Uh, and I'll let you know, everyone, it is the same. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> keeps asking me that. Like, a week later, my cousin, she was like, oh, how do you feel? I exactly the same. Yeah, I, have. I feel the same. Except for now, sometimes I forget that I hyphenated my last name. <laughs> so, yeah, seeing that on Facebook still gets me like, oh god, oh yeah. wow, that's a thing now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but other than, other than those brief moments, uh, no, it's the same. I love you just as much, <sighs> and uh, we still. Uh, get along as well yeah. as a not married couple because apparently once you get married you hate each other. I, I guess, and I've noticed that with some of my friends, which is ah. uncomfortable. Um, but the only thing that's changed for me is you know the stereotypical oh when are you guys having kids you know and I'm not gonna be here forever. You better have a kid so I can see it before I die. And it's like okay, well, <laughs> cool. Guilt trip into having a kid is not going to happen right now. Thanks, though. <laughs> yeah, you better uh, get your health up because we're not having it anytime soon. Yeah, I'm trying to get my health up. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to experience my life without having to stress about things. And <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Uh, okay. So, Ali filled my water bottle up, but apparently did not screw on the top. So, I just went to grab my water bottle and <laughs> had freezing cold water spilled all over my lap. Uh, How dare you? Well, now I am going to get a divorce. I do hate you now. So, yes, we've, we've moved twice. We've gotten married. New jobs. Obviously, COVID, um, which these fellas are vaccinated. Double vaxxed all the way across Woo. the sky. Oh, well, <laughs> we are vaccinated. Um, didn't make me sick at all. I got a little foggy-headed, but, you know, the the chip is a little annoying once in a while. I can feel that little... <laughs> I can feel a little bump there, but, you know, it crunches sometimes and yeah. feel my, it moving around. Mine got stuck to a magnet the other day. I couldn't move. Yeah, I got stuck right to the fridge. It took me, like, 20 minutes. I was almost late for work. <laughs> oh, God, people are... <laughs> Interesting. Right. Everybody is unique. <laughs> sure. Um, oh. yeah. Anything else you want to update about? Maybe some Terra? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, so I uploaded a basically workable rough draft of Terra up to itch.io. Uh, if you go in and search Terra Maya, T E R R A. <laughs> M-A-G-I-A. Wow. Spelling without seeing a letter words are weird. <laughs> so that is uh, Terra Mahia. T-E-R-R-A. Terra. M-A-G-I-A. Mahia. You know, I did really well in my elementary school spelling me. <laughs> Pixar didn't happen. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> point is, it's on itch, and you can download it for free and leave a little donation if you'd like to support us and, and what we're doing, either through here or through Terra or whatever else. Uh, it's available. You can play it. Yeah. And it's not completely done. It'll get updated every month or so, uh, preferably every few weeks, but hey, I'm busy. It's pretty awesome. You've got uh, got artists from all over the world working yeah. on it. Got a few people from, I got some from India and some people from around the United States, and every single person who has... Uh, contributed art one i paid for so like if anyone wants to 
the paying gig, let me know. Uh, but they're all also uh, either a person of color or a member of the LGBT community or both. And uh, that's a, a big part of what I want to do is just include a little bit of uh, all of them. Cause that is us. That, that, that'd be <laughs> us. <laughs> but I'm really excited. One singular beautiful soul did pay for the game. And even though it's just one person, it did make me quiver a little. So thank you, uh, Internet Stranger, for buying my game. <laughs> yes, that was pretty awesome. Uh, but other than that, uh, I don't got too much to say right now. I have some other projects coming up in the future, and I'll talk about more more then. <clears throat> uh, I will be starting another podcast with some people. It's going to be an actual play uh, inside of the Terra universe, and uh, which I'm going to be running and controlling that whole thing. And there's going to be another uh, game that I'm going to be participating in, just as a uh, player, actor, or whatever, uh, which is going to be an, a streamed actual play of uh, the Animorphs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll get more information to that, to whoever wants it. Yeah, soon. let's not talk about Animorphs right now, because then this episode will... It'll be an Animorphs <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'll be an Animorphs episode. Um, um. Anyway... Uh, did you did you know any kids in high school or middle school or wherever who read Animorphs? Uh, other than Soul? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I ever knew anybody who read them, but I remember seeing them in the library and at, like, those school book fairs, and they always piqued my interest because I always wanted to know what weird combo of human and whatever was going to be on the cover. And I want, I always wanted to know what the middle transition was, you know? Like, they would always have the human, and then it'd be, like, a weird fade until, like, the animal. And you'd get to see a weird transition in the photo. And I always wanted to see that middle transition to see how weird and messed up it was. But... And I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to call myself out for ignorance or uh, age... But I'm pretty sure that those covers are made before Photoshop. So how the fuck did they do that? Because don't get me wrong, they're ugly as sin. But like, nah, who knows? Weird. <laughs> uh, but no, I remember they definitely uh, had an appeal to them. And even though I can't, I cannot <coughs> confirm who in the people that I knew had read them other than Tobe. I, I know that there are plenty of people who were in our group of friends back in the day who were that kind of person. Yeah, I was more. Uh... More into the uh, diaries, the um, historical diaries of different girls. Oh, God. I don't remember what they were called. I think they were actually called, like, diaries or, like, American diaries or something. They weren't all American, though, so maybe not. I don't know. They always had a silky bookmark that went with them. Somebody who is listening right now knows what I'm talking about, I swear. Or, like, you know, Percy Jackson... Moral instruments type of thing. I didn't read books as a young youth, and I still don't. <clears throat> so, let's talk about some movies. Yeah. <laughs> so we watched A Quiet Place Two. A Quiet Place Two takes uh, takes off right after uh, the ending of the first, uh, almost immediately after the death of the of the father in that family. Uh, the mother picks up her two almost barely teenage children and her. Literally one day old newborn puts them in a box and takes off down the road. They're in search of another safe place to stay. Uh, their once peaceful farm. apocalyptic paradise yeah. farm, uh, unfortunately, did not survive the encounter in the first movie, and they have to find another place to to set up and survive. Uh, everything is working out surprisingly well until they encounter. Uh, well, some uh, mad main hindrances. Yeah. And uh, after uh, a few brief moments of, oh no, we're going to die, they get saved by an old friend from the uh, before times. Uh, this mo- uh, Once you meet this individual, you realize who he is, because at the beginning of the movie, there was a brief uh, sojourn into the past, where you saw a little flashback of the first days of this, <coughs> uh, well, alien invasion, essentially. And <coughs> it's... Uh, in this preview where you see the this character uh, for the first time and you can they, they show you that they have some sort of relationship 
uh, that is no longer quite established in this uh, post-apocalyptic version of them, uh, as he is no longer willing to really support them, Uh, but allows him to stay for a little bit because he's not a heartless person. He's just terrified. Just fucking scared. <laughs> um, but they, they, as they're staying the night, uh, the daughter of, uh, of the family, she and uh, her brother encounter a radio signal. And the daughter picks up on a, on a message hidden inside of the signal uh, and the broadcast location being from an island and the song being somewhere over the sea. Right? Uh, implying that there is possibly civilization, hope, something, over across the, the pond uh, on this little island. So she sets out uh, by herself on a little journey to try and save the human race by using the techniques she learned from uh, the first movie in which her earpiece can cause a sonic uh, frequency that terrifies and injures the alien species. Uh, she is all on her own in this little little quest, but uh, with a little little bit of coercion from the mother, uh, our new reluctant hero father figure uh, goes and chases after her. And uh, <coughs> to avoid any, you know, major spoilers still in theaters and all, they do encounter a, a variety of hiccups and roadblocks along the way uh, before finally making their way to the island and maybe saving the human race. Yeah. I mean... <clears throat> I think that's a very good synopsis. Uh, however, if we're going to be reviewing the whole movie, I think it's okay if we spoil some. Oh, yeah. Um, I just we'll just give a little warning. <laughs> little warning right now. There will be even more spoilers if you haven't been a little spoiled already. Um, so back away now or forever be uh, spoiled. Yes. I just figured... Uh the summary wasn't too spoilery, and uh, going forward, you know, they know what's coming. They can decide whether they want to back out or not. <clears throat> okay. So. Yes. I have some feelings about this movie. <laughs> yeah. And pretty much all of those feelings are, it was fucking wonderful. I was stressed out the entire movie. Literally every second of that movie, I felt like something was going to jump out from the from the side of the screen and just create a loud racket and hurt and kill everyone every second of the movie. Yes. Um, so in the very beginning of the movie, it's, you know, it already starts stressful. Like it could be if you obviously watched the first movie, you know that like, oh, crap, all of them are like vulnerable there's a, like, sure, the mom could survive, maybe if she was by herself, or, like, if it was just her and one or two of her kids, but she has an infant in her arms, in a box that she has to carry, and, like, it's already, everything's on fire. <laughs> um, and then, eventually, they get closer to that factory where they find Emmett, the old friend, and it's, they almost die again. Yeah, they go from tense situation to tense situation. It's never, it's, there's never really a lull. It's sort of intensity, plateau, and then intensity. Mm-hmm. It, but it, it just never feels safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the fact that it never feels safe really fits the style of the world they're mm-hmm. in. Because, yeah, any sound causes these monsters that you can't even <clears throat> see half the time. In the middle, they're nowhere. Yeah. And they just fucking appear. <laughs> And I think the, the the way they made the, the tone of the movie, the ambiance of it, be so tense really made you feel like you were just kind of there, over their shoulder, just kind of present. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like The Quiet Place and John Krasinski did something that not a lot of movies have done with the playing with the, the ears and the <laughs> auditory uh, magic that they have conceived. Everything is so quiet, and going into it, you might think, oh man, it's a quiet movie. Like, it's a silent movie. Those are kind of boring. There's not much going on, but there's so much physical action, like, like emotion, I guess I mean, <clears throat> and everything they do 
because of the context of the movie where they can't make sound is like you're always on the edge of your seat. Like you are always like, what's going to happen? Oh, like um, Reagan, I think is the daughter's name. She's she's deaf, so she can't hear what she's doing or hear if there's someone or something nearby. And so when she goes off on her quest, it's like, okay, cool. She's going to try to help. But at the same time, what if she accidentally makes a noise and she doesn't realize it? Or if there's, God forbid, other humans nearby, she's not going to hear them. <sighs> no, I, I agree that the deliberate nature of the sound is obviously one of its uh, high points. And there, there, was some, there was a big difference between number one number two, and number two for me, where number one, there was so much silence, the enti- like the entire movie, that the moments where there were noise were, were genuinely startling. In this one, it's there was a lot more instances of noise and of of uh, chaotic, like things chasing and running and hitting into things and just chaos and whatnot. And I think it really is interesting because in the first one, everything is so calm because the whole family is together. Everyone is at least somewhat secure. They have a routine, they have a pattern. And then in this one, everyone's splitting up. The daughter is running away to you know try and do something noble, but still she's running away. The, the mother is <laughs> barely able to you know take care of her children because, God forbid, a baby tries to breathe and cry in this world. <laughs> and... Uh, the fact that this one is, has so much, so many more instances of that chaotic noise when monsters attack or when whatever is happening, uh, I think, is an interesting difference between the two movies and how the you hear them and also how the characters are interacting with the world itself. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, just a quick note: uh, because everything's so fucking quiet. Whenever there is noise, it made my butthole pucker. Like, I was just like, eh. <laughs> ready. Never ready. Never. <laughs> well, that's the thing. There was, even though it, everything was silent, there was always a little bit of noise. Like, water dripping, or birds, or the slight crunch, or, like, sifting of the sand as they stepped on it. Um, I don't know. It was just... Like I said, auditory magic. Like, I don't know <laughs> what they they did, um, but they did it They did it right. <laughs> they, did, they did a very good job. They did a phenomenal job. <clears throat> and uh, I want to also comment on the acting. Um, obviously, there wasn't too much um, John Krasinski in the movie, but I do love him. <laughs> um, he's a great actor and very... A very attractive fella. Um, and Emily Blunt is a really good actress. But what got me the most was the kids. <clears throat> um, like, I've seen Killian, Cillian Murphy in other things, like Peaky Blinders and uh, 28 Days Later, I believe. Oh, that um, guy. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he's that guy. Um, he plays Emmett. And he, you know, he's also a fantastic actor. Um, but Noah Jupe and Millicent Simmons, Millicent, uh, yes, Simmons, um, play the two children and the acting is so good. Um, that little boy, that like 13 year old boy made me cry so many times, um, Holy cow. I He's just... He's a very gifted young man. No, I, I think they did a great job. And I think it's really helpful for their uh, acting careers going forward that they did a movie series that is so physical mm-hmm. in, in their acting because their their face and their mannerisms, everything about the, the way they acted in these movies were so visceral. Just so... Uh, it's such a gut punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that scene where him and his mom, or his mom is about to leave to go get some more supplies because if they don't, uh, they're gonna die. Yes, actually, <laughs> she has no choice but to leave him. 
No, she has to. And she's leaving him there with the baby because the, the daughter already left and the Emmett left after them, after her to save her. And now she's there with the kids by herself and she knows she has to go save these kids, against things to save the kids. And the, she leaves, you know, somewhat silently and the boy chases after her. And they have this quiet, like, argument with, with no words. It's just... Sign some, language. Yeah, a really emotional sign language of, please don't go. I can't take care of the baby. I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm nine fucking years old, 10, <laughs> 12, 13. I don't know how old this kid is. <laughs> just kept damn. going up 9, nine 10, 11, 12, 13, <laughs> 15, <laughs> 25, 30. <laughs> how old is he? Well, he does nine was probably two years. <laughs> but, yeah, it is. It's, oh, it's so good that he starts to like beg for for her to stay and help him because he's scared because he's hurt. He has a really bad injury and he doesn't know how to take care of a baby and he's scared. There's monsters literally everywhere, and oh gosh, that was that was a beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and about him and his character, um, when when you watch a a movie, any movie, but specifically a horror movie or action movie, um, and a character does something, and you know, you're the audience, you're sitting on the couch, you're sitting in the theater, and you're thinking, oh, God, don't do that, don't go there, don't go there, you know? Like, you can see what's going to happen because you know everything that's happening in the movie. But in this movie, (laughs) this kid, like, yeah, there are moments where you're like, oh, why are you doing that? But... It makes sense because he is a 13-year-old boy. He's doing things a 13-year-old boy would realistically do in this situation, which I think is really cool that they didn't make him some sort of, you know, 13-year-old mature hero man boy, you know? Like, they didn't try to make him seem like something he's not. They also didn't make him, like, annoyingly angsty. Yeah. Yeah, he was upset about things, but, like, he had a bear trap on his leg. His mom is gone. Like, everything that he was feeling made sense. Mm-hmm. And the only time he did anything that was like, oh boy, this isn't going to end well, he was trying to see if he could see his mom because he was worried. Yeah, he, he leaves the baby in the, like, basically the little bunker that they are staying in. He goes upstairs in this factory with these binoculars, limping, trying to be quiet. And the whole time you're like, oh God, he's going to make such such a noise, <laughs> such such a catastrophe of everything um but at the same time you're like no if that were me like i definitely would be scared like he doesn't know what time it is or how long she's been gone so he he wants to know if he can see her out the window so he takes the binoculars up there to see he also doesn't know if she's ever going to come back yeah she could have died and he doesn't know he doesn't know if she's coming back he doesn't know if this family friend he hardly knows is coming back with his sister. His dad's already dead. So, it, in all honestly, it, it could just be him and the baby. And then he'll have to figure out how to survive with his ankle and his little sister, brother, who's running out of air. Uh, before we started this, you mentioned that on IMDb apparently has like a 70. Uh, 7.9 out of 10. Who? Who has a negative thing to say about this movie? Well, see, I mean, there could be people <laughs> um, rating it who don't like horror movies. I don't like horror movies. I know. And it's, it's honestly, it's not, it's tense. And I don't know, I guess it's a, considered a horror movie, but it's like a thriller. <laughs> <laughs> see, the thing that got, the thing that gets me is that it, it, it's a little bit of a horror movie. It's a little bit of a thriller, but it's really just a movie about a family, and mm-hmm. it's it does that so well that I don't care that there's horrifying monsters and terrifying jump scares, and that's okay with me. Like I, I did it, like everything else is done so well that like I don't care. It's a horror movie. I'm into it. It's not like the the Conjuring that we watched the other night. You know, we're not even gonna do an episode of that. Um, I really like The Conjuring 1, the, the very first one that came out, uh, but guys, I'm, mm-mm. oh, hello, Mabel. She just, um. her cat just jumped <laughs> on Jess's back. My God, Mabel, no. 
god. So she's gonna she might rub against the microphone, so if there's some noise. <laughs> um Yeah, just real quick. Conjuring three or not I don't even know if it's number three. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the devil made me do it. The no, the god. <laughs> is the god made me do it? Or is no, it the, the devil, devil made me do it? Devil made me do it. God. I don't know. Hey, 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 hey! The real life case. He says God made him do it. I'm pretty sure. Oh, Maybe um, not. Like I don't a, know. That seems a little weird given the concept. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know. Um, point is, not good. <laughs> like I, it's a horror movie. Jump scares, spooky, creepy demons, witchcraft, yada yada. But I was excited going into it because I like the Conjuring movies. But then they were like, hey, Satanists are murdering people and doing sacrifices and curses. And I'm like, okay, well, Ed and Lorraine, you're supposed to be professionals. You don't know what a Satanist is? Okay. <laughs> also, here's the thing that. Here's the thing with the Conjuring movie that we just watched versus The Quiet Place. I don't like scary movies because jump scares spook the hell out of me. So, like, there were a couple of bits in The Conjuring that really got me. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I didn't care. Like, it wasn't scary because I didn't care. Because none of the characters mattered at all. <laughs> like, they just didn't matter. Yeah. And I don't know why, because, like, the, 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 the leads, not not the, the the spiritual investigating leads, but, like, the, the, the teen guy, or the 20-something guy and his girlfriend. They were good enough characters and good actors. They did a good job. But something about all of it was really just not investing. Which is literally the opposite of this movie. Where yeah. there's uh, some jump scares, but really it's just you're just afraid something bad's gonna happen to these nice characters that you want to live. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's it. <laughs> That little difference makes, uh, the little change makes all the difference. Ugh. So, I was looking up uh, some of the reviews of um, The Quiet Place, too. And it took me a minute to find the ones that are below eight stars. Which, I mean, they should all be ten, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's my opinion. Um, and so, it seems like some people are just upset because they didn't feel like there was closure in, in the end of it or that um, some of the things that happen in the movie are um, illogical, like stupid and dumb. Like this this um, comment from Blake Schbalk 68 76 I don't know something. It says um he says, this action is so absolutely idiotic, I can't even imagine a child would engage in it. Um, so he's saying it was really dumb of the kid to go up to the top of the factory and look for his mom. Um, and that no child would ever do that. Um, I guess he hasn't met many 13-year-olds. Um, I think he just skipped being a child altogether. What is he? And he's thinking... He, he's just thinking the mom's dumb for not telling the kid more rules when she was leaving him. He, I, I don't know. So the people who, the people who downrated it for the most part are calling it dumb when in fact they're dumb. They're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> they're dumb. They have not, they have not met, you know, 13 year olds and they've never been through a apocalypse <laughs> you know, I mean, right. none of us have, but I I know plenty it, of thirteen year olds and children, and I was also one. And I know for a fact that yeah, sure, some of them would be too terrified to go up to the top, or some of them probably would have begged and begged and begged to at least go with them with the mother. But myself and a few of the children I know of would definitely have been like no. I, I need to know if my mom is out there. Is oh, she coming back? Of course. And, well, one, uh, excuse you, I have lived through at least three apocalypses. Y2K, <laughs> uh, 2012, that weird asteroid that came nearby was apparently supposed to kill everyone. I don't know. Yeah. The end of the Mayan calendar, right? Yeah, that was 2012. 2012. Yeah. yeah. Point is, I've lived through enough of them, and that's not really the point. The point is, it seems like people who are judging 
this movie harshly. Don't don't quite get the the mindset of the characters. Yeah, they don't understand the the position they're in. Which I, I get it. Like yeah. it's, it is hard to like set yourself really in that mindset. Because I mean, like I said, we've never been through something like that. No. And honestly, for some people, it just really is more difficult to put yourself in other people's shoes. Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of people who have uh, a sort of difficulty with empathy and whatnot, and I get that. But like th- that aside, you you could still there's still this level of characterization that was established through the movie itself. Of the the characters and what they want and need, the daughter she wants control and agency because she has a limited amount of that due to the fact that she's uh, deaf and because of that her family controls her a little more than, than usual because she needs a little bit of support and she can't hear the monsters coming she can't hear this or that and it puts her at a disadvantage in this particular setting mm-hmm. so she wants control over herself and agency and to help. Uh, the boy, he was shown throughout the movie just wanting to be safe, be protected, be with his mom. The baby is a baby. He wants to breathe and cry. <laughs> <laughs> and they all stuck rigidly to those characterizations in a way that I think is is fair and true. Like, they, they had a mindset and they stuck to it because why wouldn't they? Every choice made in this movie, directorially and uh Writing-wise, in terms of character action and everything, fits so well. It makes an incredible amount of sense within the world and within sort of the emotional intelligence of the character. And I'm here for it. I'm a fan. It was a good movie, and I am hoping there's a number three, which, when we came out of the theater, some uh, father and his daughter were like, oh, there's going to be number three, but no John Krasinski. Which is like, on one hand, it's like, oh, cool, it'll be another movie in that world, in that universe. But on the other hand, it's like, if it's not being made by the original creator, and hopefully he has some sort of oversight, because otherwise it's it's not going to be the same. It might also just be another person's story within that same world. Yeah. And... It's, since it's not the story that John Krasinski is telling, it's somehow just taking over, but it's still in the same universe. Also, that guy did say that John Krasinski didn't have much of a control over the first movie, which I'm pretty sure is incorrect. Yeah, because he wrote the movie. So, he, like, produced the movie. I'm sure he at least directed a little bit. So I'm pretty sure that person we talked to just doesn't know what they're saying and is talking out their ass. So, it's possible. Yeah, he, John Krasinski directed number two. I'm looking right now to make sure that, yes, he did also direct number one. It says story by Brian Woods and Scott Beck, produced by Michael Bay, Andrew Form, and Brad Fuller, but directed by John Krasinski for number one. Um, and I'm assuming number two is similar, uh, directed by John Krasinski. And then it just says production companies, Platinum Dunes Sunday Night Productions. Um, It's just a quick, it was a quick look. I didn't go too much in depth with it. So there's probably more details. But um, so, yeah, he did direct both movies. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, strange white man. Shut the fuck up. Man, white men thinking they know everything. Yeah. Not talking about you, Bryce. You're wonderful. <laughs> That's the second time we've uh, called him out on this pod. I, I love him dearly, and I want him to know I'm thinking of him. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, is there anything else you'd like to talk about in this particular movie? Any uh, individual scenes that you really enjoyed, really disliked? Anything that was a little... Comp- yeah. Um, I liked the ending quite a bit. Um, I know some people in the comments, the snooty ones with no closure, didn't like it. Um, but we should talk about that. <laughs> but uh, I liked it. I liked the um, the fact there was basically a civilization on this little like like Manhattan, New Jersey Island, or whatever it was, um, and. I really liked Emmett's development from being scared of living, of trying to survive in this world, 
um, to someone who is trying to help and trying to make a difference. Mabel is crazy. Um, because when you first meet him, he's, you know, he's scared. He doesn't even want to show his face to them because he knows them. And he's like, okay, well, if they know it's me, they're going to be like, well, why haven't you helped us sooner? Um, and but- they essentially do say those exact same <laughs> They do. They do. But, I so mean, he was right. <laughs> his, his wife gets sick and dies because, she, you know, after a while, the pain is too much and she makes too much noise um, and is gobbled up, uh, presumably. Presumably? Presumably? Wow. Presumably. Presumably. And his son is also taken from him at only like like seven. He was not very old. Um, so he's, you know, staying in this broken down factory he used to work in, this mill, and he's terrified to even try because he thinks, you know, the other humans that have survived are monsters themselves. Um, but at the end, he's like, okay, well, this girl, uh, she has showed me that she is so brave and she is fighting so hard to survive and to help other people survive. That's what I can do. Like I'm, he's finding hope in this girl and in humans again. And he's, he's letting go his grief of his wife and his son. Um, he's becoming more of a hero. And I really like that. Um, his character is really cool. I like him a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I think it was interesting because like, him and the the mother, they mm-hmm. have honestly almost identical uh, tragedies go mm-hmm. on for them. Uh, he loses his wife and his kid and his child, and she loses her husband and one of her children early on in the first movie. And they they react very differently, <laughs> obviously. And don't get me wrong, they they both grieved. They both went through some shit. Yeah. She had other people though there to help her. I think yes, that that's true. She had other people there to help her. She had her husband and ever and her children. Or else she had a purpose. Mm-hmm. She had to take care of her family. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a purpose anymore. His family yeah. died, and he was like, well, there's people who need my help. I can see their fire over there. Just not going to do it. Yeah, because he, he doesn't want to help them and have them taken away from him again. Mm-hmm. It's not until someone basically forces him to, to help that he realizes, I, I, I have something to do. I have a purpose, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get off my ass and do it. And it's cool. He becomes yeah. more like a mom. And yeah. Uh, in the scene where they are at this radio station trying to get the the um, her hearing aid broadcast throughout the region, or at least as far as this radio uh, station can project, uh, whatever. Transmit. Transmit, yeah. Um, there is one of the creatures in there, and he shoves her inside the room so that it comes after him instead of her, and... Then ensues a slight fight scene, I guess. Um, and it was terrifying. <laughs> I was so scared he was going to die. Yeah, um, I thought she was going to lose daddy figure number two. Yeah. Real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so scary. Uh, but yeah, she she is a very strong character because she really takes control. And this 15-year-old girl becomes the hero of the movie. And I think that's really cool. I remember telling you in the theater... Um, it was a very uh, Joel and Ellie sort of dynamic um, between Emmett and Reagan, which I also thought was kind of neat. Yeah, bearded old dad and uh, hopeful young child. Yeah, has become and not its- just dad, like like father figure, not, <laughs> not necessarily dad. Not the actual dad, except in uh, God of War. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's that has become a genre in and of itself. Yeah, <laughs> and that which is kind of great and weirdly heartwarming. It has been pretty, pretty, pretty good, honestly. Uh, don't get me wrong; I feel like it could get real generic real quick. For yeah. now, I've enjoyed most of them. Yeah, for now, it's real good. I want to talk about the ending uh, a brief moment because you mentioned that there are people who were upset that the movie seemed to have uh, an ambiguous ending. Yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, here's the last spoiler warning. We're going to talk directly about what the ending of this movie is. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. They, they get to the radio station and 
some people that they just met who were having a really nice time on this fucking island. <laughs> so nice. Uh, they get a little fucked up by uh, one of the aliens that follows them to, sh- to the island uh, by real unfortunate chance, too. It's like it gets it hitches a ride on one of the boats that just drifts over yeah. by accident. Because apparently the aliens can't swim. Yeah. Which I, that's that's the Which only... Which is kind of nice. Like, you could find any island then. Yeah, you could just take a As boat. long as the alien didn't land there, yeah. you're good. Yeah, so that's literally the only part of the movie where I was like, oh, they just can't swim? That's their big weakness? Okay. <laughs> They're weak to wood? <laughs> <laughs> is water, is this One Piece? Naruto? What? Uh, Crossover. Hey, Green Lantern originally was weak to wood. Yeah. Uh, point is. Uh, I think that's where my reference was from. Because in my head, I knew you said you had told me about someone being weak to wood. But for some reason, my brain connected Naruto instead because there is <laughs> there is that man who oh. does the the wood. He plays yeah. with the wood. Yamato-sensei, right? Because mm-hmm. he can uh, seal the nine tails up? Yeah, I think so. Well, we're talking about some anyway, shit. Anyway, back, back, continue back, back. on. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> so they, they're with this nice community, and there's this real brief moment of, like, hopeful respite. They're relaxing. They're getting a change of clothing. This guy who hasn't talked to anyone in, like, how much time had passed? Like, a year and a half, two years? I think so, yes. Because I said, like, three... Maybe it was, like, 400 and something days. Yeah, and uh, the first time he's talked to anybody was meeting these kids again. And uh, now he's on this island, everyone's having a good time and, like, conversing and they're not whispering, they're not quiet, they're not, they're just being alive. And seeing him, like, barely believe it real uh, was a pretty wonderful moment, to be honest. The actor did a great job. And, uh, that gets disrupted very quickly by an unfortunate yeah. <laughs> drifting alien. Which, if it, this is a post-apocalyptic movie, why do you not have on your your safe island compound? Why do you not have people standing watch? Like, I understand you're safe and you're comfortable, but this is still an apocalypse. You cannot be that comfortable. <laughs> Where, like, you're like, oh, nobody's gonna get on a boat and come this way. Like, even if the freaking aliens can't swim, they're still bad people. Yeah. Which is another thing that happens in the movie that maybe I want to talk about later, but whatever. Man, they, yeah, they, they did not do a great job of fortifying. <laughs> no, no, they did not. And unfortunately, at least them getting not all murdered, like the the alien rampages through, and admittedly, it does do some pretty gnarly damage. Yeah, they get messed up. There's a couple kids who get stuffed in a closet, and they're going to be traumatized for the rest of their lives. You know, stuff like that. But it's just like a handful of people who get hurt or killed. Uh, because the the main characters lead the alien away. Like, they take care of it, for the most part. And then we get the final scenes of Ellie and Joel <laughs> in this radio... Station. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say radio factory. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, they're in this radio station trying to get to the uh, transmitter and set the said it to send off this the signal and around every corner the monster just keeps popping up and attacking and uh, it gets tenser and tenser with every second and eventually it ends with her succeeding she puts her microphone up to the her hearing it up to the microphone the the signal comes out uh and the monster as well in the radio station as well as back home start hearing the noise from the radios freaking out and it gives uh, the girl and her brother uh, that moment they need in order to fight back to kill the aliens and survive and it doesn't show them going off and you know reaching out to people and saying alright we're going to do this is how we're going to save the world but like I don't think that's necessary they, they had this triumphant moment of defeating the monsters in front of them. And it was only two of them. There's who knows how many. But I think that's 
that brief moment of triumph is the final climax of this movie. That's the the triumphal return of the heroes. They they succeeded. Going any further than that, I think would just make it kind of lame. Besides, it leaves it open for for the future. Like it's it's a story that ends with hope, mm-hmm. with a with a chance to survive, not you know outright victory because there's still other monsters. There's people out there that are still doing you know dumb shit. So it's not an all around everything's perfect now, but it was a win. It was a moment of hope. And I think that I think that's more than enough. I think that's a perfect way to end this. Yeah, <clears throat> like I understand some movies leave, leave on a on a cliffhanger or unresolved feeling that can make you feel kind of icky. Um, but if it's going to have a number three, if there's going to be another movie, I think that's okay. And also, e- even if there's not a third movie, I feel like it was a good ending. Yeah, because no. like you said, like you said, it left it hopeful and i think that's good enough yeah i can if there's no movie number three i can imagine them uh going around to other safe havens with people carrying around a little radio and whenever seeing a monster just turning it on and fighting back Mm -hmm. i don't need to see that in a movie format i can i can see it happening i can imagine them going from place to place and collecting more decent human beings and Mm -hmm. restarting civilization so yeah, I don't know. People might have had some issue with it. I don't see why. Yeah. Well, there's uh, always going to be people who don't like it. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's always going to be people who are stupid. <laughs> so. <laughs> all right. But uh, that's, uh, genuinely, that's all I have to say. Yeah, that's all I've got. Well, look at that, folks. Uh, we've done another episode. Our first episode in... Like a year and maybe more. It's been a long time. It uh, also has been very fun to <clears throat> do this again. Yes, it has. Uh, so thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, and join us next time. Yeah, maybe next time we'll talk about... Actually, I don't think we planned that that far. <laughs> <laughs> like we said, this is our first episode in a long time. But don't worry, the second episode coming back... Uh, will not be <laughs> in a year. No. Hopefully uh, just in a week or two. I'm aiming for uh, a week release, but for I'm aiming for this is this first little while, the first couple months, it's going to be bi-weekly, most likely, as I set up a new uh, editing schedule and uh, prepare a few episodes for, like, buffers. Yes. Uh, but I think we're going to be recording every week. And putting out every couple weeks for a little while. And it makes it easier now that we have an actual, not recording studio, but a room dedicated to Ollie and the podcast. Yeah! I have Um, my own office! Yeah! I mean, I have mine too, which is uh, much cooler. Look, her office is pretty. It has vines. It has colors and lights. And and a fucking futon. And I love it. And I'm jealous. But mine's got a cool... You have Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I have Yu-Gi-Oh cards <laughs> and a periodic table of contents. Mine's awesome too. It's just a little less flashy. Nerd. Anyways, thanks for listening, you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Love you. Aww.